Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. It's a good day. It's a day of celebration. And Father, we look back and um, give you thanks for uh, uh, for what you've done for us in this last year since Pastor Wigan uh, announced that he was uh, ready to retire. We're thankful for um, uh, bringing us Pastor Heron, and we just uh, pray that this day would be a, a day that would be uh, pleasing to you, and, and we would throw, show our gratitude to you, Father. And we also pray for the days ahead um, as, um, as Pastor Heron leads his church, that you would... Um, be with him and be with us as a congregation, that we would um, uh, stay focused on your words, stay focused on what you have for us here in the Thumb area. And Lord, we pray that you would um, uh, give him uh, many good years here. We've had, uh, we've been blessed with pastors that's stayed for the long haul. And Lord, we just pray that also for our next pastor, Pastor Heron, as he comes up, Lord. And, and we ask these things, uh, um, giving you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jerry. Well, we are glad that you are here this morning as we have a special service of installation for Pastor Mark. An installation service is a special service for a newly appointed pastor. It's an occasion to recognize the calling of the pastor to acknowledge his responsibilities and his duties, and also to remind us, the congregation, of our duty and our responsibility to follow our newly installed pastor's leadership. So to that end, uh, you will see that uh, throughout this service, it's, it's different than our normal services. We've got a couple little sermonettes rather than uh, one big message time. Uh, we just had uh, Jerry Langmaid up here to uh, open us our, uh, in prayer. Jerry served as the pulpit or search committee chairman. And so wanted to make sure that uh, he had a part in the service as well. Uh, that was not uh, an easy task after you have a pastor who's here for nearly 30 years, uh, not to replace him, but to find God's next man for this church. And so uh, we thank Jerry and the rest of our pastoral search committee again for their efforts. Uh, you'll see there's a charge to the congregation for us, our duties, our responsibilities to our pastor, and then a charge to the pastor, to Pastor Mark Heron, uh, his responsibilities and duties as well. And you'll see uh, we have, uh, we just found this guy in the yellow pages, uh, Ronald Wigand, I believe. Pastor Ronald C. Wigand is here with us this morning and uh, seemed fitting to have him share the charge to the church, a church that uh, he's familiar with, and a pastor who, uh, when he uh, came to us many years ago, had the opportunity to uh, be an influence on Pastor Heron's uh, growth uh, to the man that he is today. And so we are grateful to have him here. And then you'll also see a prayer of installation that will be uh, conducted by our current deacon chairman, Tim Hill. Letter that I would like to read for you here this morning. This is from Pastor Heron's father. He was uh, looking forward to being here, but uh, they were unable to be here this morning uh, as they had some other family uh, responsibilities, but he did send us a letter, and I'd like to read that for you here this morning. From Pastor Teddy and Karen Heron writes this, Dear Church Family at Carroll First Baptist, we are deeply sorry that we are unable to share this joyful day in the history of your church fellowship. After the commendable, lengthy, faithful service of Pastor Wigand, we rejoice with you at the Lord's leading for you to call another capable, faithful servant of God. I have every confidence that Pastor Mark Heron will prove to be all God has called him to be for your benefit. We are proud of our son and are sure that he will continue to be a blessing to you. Rest assured of our prayers for you not only on this special day, but for the years to come. 
Congratulations to both Pastor Mark, Amanda, their children, and the church family. Be true to God and his word and watch the blessings continue to flow upon your sweet church as you labor for the salvation and edification of souls for eternity. In the Lamb together, Teddy and Karen Heron. Matthew chapter 22 for our scripture reading, verse 34 through 40. says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is to test Jesus. Verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Pastor Wigan, would you come and share, please? It uh, is great to be back with you. We are enjoying retirement, and uh, God has allowed us to be close to some of our children and grandchildren, and the Lord's confirmed uh, in a number of different ways that uh, we made the right decision, and he was directing the decision to uh, go ahead and end our pastoral ministry here and uh, make a move down closer to our children where we could have a little bit more of a ministry to them. But uh, I can't tell you how much we miss you all. It is so good to be back with you again. So great to be able to worship with you this morning on this very, very special today. And I want to uh, thank Pastor Mark and, and the church for the invitation to, to be here and to give the, the charge to the church in connection with installing a new lead pastor. Now, as much as possible, I like to know what I'm doing. And so I looked up the word charge in the dictionary to find out just exactly what it is I am supposed to do. And uh, Webster had various definitions. One said a charge is a vigorous attack. I don't think that's what Pastor Mark had in mind when he invited me back. Uh, a charge can be uh, adding electrical capacity to a battery. Obviously, that's not it. Uh, it could be asking a price or setting a liability for, for something uh, on an account. But I, as I went on down through the definition, I think the kind of a charge that we're looking at today is a matter of giving instructions about responsibilities and expectations. There will be a, a charge to the church and to Pastor Mark as the new pastor of the church. And uh, there are responsibilities and expectations for, for each in your relationship with each other. But I would emphasize to you this morning that even more important than your responsibilities and your relationship with each other as pastor and congregation is the matter of the relationship with God and responsibility to Him. The passage of Scripture that we just had, that Pastor Chris just read for us here in, in Matthew chapter 22 emphasizes that the, the, the primary relationship that we have is our relationship with God. And that primary relationship, if, if it is what it should be between you as a congregation and Pastor Mark as the, as the pastor, if that relationship with God is what it shall, should be, 
you're going to have a great relationship as congregation and pastor. The responsibility that the Lord lays upon us here is, is that of loving God with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul. And as we consider this passage of Scripture and one other that we'll uh, bump into here in this sermonette is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. But we, we find that very, very simply, here's, here's the charge to the church. Love God, love each other, and, and love your pastor and his family. And that, that's not my charge. We just had it read for us in Scripture. What's the greatest commandment? They come and ask, ask Jesus. What's the, the greatest What's the most important thing? And what's his response? Love God. Love your heart, your mind, and your soul. And then love your neighbor as, as yourself. And, and on this hang all the law and the prophets. That's what it's all wrapped up in, folks. Love God and love one another. First matter, loving, loving God is we're to love God above all with all we have and, and all we are. He is to be our, our, our primary focus. And I would emphasize the context here. The Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees have been trying to trip up Jesus, asking him a different question. And he's come back with the masterful responses to, to their, their questions and, and demonstrated who he really is as the Son of God. And, and he's just answered the, the Sadducees who asked questions about the resurrection. These guys were the religious liberals of the day. And the question he answered for them had to do with the resurrection from the dead and, and about continuing to live beyond this life. And one of the things that he emphasized was the fact that, that our God uh, is the God of, of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had all died, but, but yet they, they continued to live. How do you explain that? Well, uh, we explain that by the fact that this physical life isn't all that there is. There's so much more. And our God is the God of life. He's the living God. He's the God who gives life. He is the God of, of eternal life that he makes available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we think about loving God. That's who we're talking about. The God of life, the God who's the living God, the God who wants to give each and every one of us here in this place today the, the free gift of eternal life. What's the Bible say? The wages of sin is death, but what? The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, we find that's who we're talking about. We talk about loving God, and he speaks of him here as being the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever you see that the term Lord in all caps in Scripture, it's a reference basically to the name of our God, Yahweh, the, the, the living God, the true and the, who God of, and, and the God of, of life. And, and we find that he is, in calling him Lord, it also is a reference to the fact that he is master and we're his servants. You know, we, we don't live to ourselves. We have a great and glorious God who is our Lord and, and life is about serving him. And part of loving him is about serving him. We are all fellow servants. He says, love the Lord. And then he also says, your God. That word your is a, is a big word. It's one thing to talk about God in the abstract as far as being 
detached from us, but God's plan is for us to have a relationship with him. Uh, we all have God as our God by virtue of, of creation, by virtue of giving us life, but we also need to have a relationship with God by virtue of being born again. You know, one of the great Psalms in Scripture is, is Psalm 23, and, and how's it begin? What's David say? The Lord is, what? My shepherd. I'll tell you what, there's all the difference in the world being able to say the Lord is my shepherd or a shepherd. He's my shepherd. He leads me. He's my God. He's your God. And our obligation here that the Lord Jesus lays upon us is to, to love God and to have that personal relationship with him that's possible only through repenting of our sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. And then we go on and we, we live for this one who is sovereign over all. By the way, I would emphasize to you that, that loving God is loving Jesus. When we talk about God, we're talking about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm always concerned when people talk a lot about God and they don't mention Jesus. Does that bother you? You know, because my connection with God is Jesus. He's the revealer of God. He's my Savior. He's the one who brings me into a relationship with God. So let's make sure we have that firmly established today. When we talk about the need for the church to love God, we're talking about loving Jesus, right? Hopefully got that all settled down. We talk about Pastor Mark loving God. We're talking about, about loving Jesus. He's the God that we're talking about loving here in this place. And we, if, you don't, if you don't love the Son, you don't love the Father. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. So we talk about God. We're talking about Jesus. And we show our love to God and our love to Christ through obedience, putting nothing uh, nothing or no one before him. We, he, he's, he's number one. And keeping his name holy and, and making, uh, serving him and worshiping him a priority. And, and one other thing I would throw out there, this is another passage of Scripture, but in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says one of the responsibilities of a pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, if the pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that would help us to understand that whose responsibility to, is it to be involved in the work of the ministry? It's the saints. It's the church. So, so one of the ways that you love God is by serving him with the gifts and abilities that he has given to you. And, and I'll tell you what, there, there's tremendous joy in pastoring a church where the people love Jesus and are truly serving and worshiping him. And I thank God for the experience that he's given me in that, light, in that way. And I pray the same for Pastor Heron, that he would be pastoring sheep that love Jesus. And the bottom line is they just want to love, love the Lord and serve the Lord with all they are. We find that the second obligation here is the matter of loving one another. You know, there's a connection between loving God and, and loving one another. We're made in the image and, and the likeness of God. And Jesus said the second commandment is, is like unto the first. There's a connection with it. Love one another 
the way that you love yourself. And uh, there's a whole lot that we could say here. We don't have time to do that, but, but some of the ways of showing love to each other are, are loving as ourselves, treating others as we would want to be treated. That's a pretty good guideline. That won't get you into heaven trying to live by the golden rule because we all fail in that, right? Only way we get to heaven is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But still, a pretty good guide for living. How do you want to be treated? Well, maybe that's how we should treat others as well. And the Lord tells us that right here. Uh, we respect one another. We, we don't murder. We don't hate. Christ explained that it's not just not murdering our, a brother, but when we, when we hate him, that, that's the same thing. We, we don't commit adultery. We don't lust after. We, uh, we don't steal from, but rather we work so that we can give. We don't lie about or, or lie to, but we speak to build people up. We, we don't covet and, and live a life of envy and, jealous, uh, and jealousy, but we, we go through life as a giver and not as a taker. And I would encourage you, go through life as a church as givers, not takers. There's two kind of people in this world, givers and takers. You know who the happy people are? You know who the joyful people are? They're the givers. You know who the disappointed, disillusioned, uh, disturbed people are? They're the takers because they're never given enough and they want to just keep taking more. I pray this would always be a congregation, a church family of givers. So we, we just encourage you to do that. There, there's a whole lot more said in the New Testament about the way to, to practice this matter of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a great chapter, help you understand what love is. You've got all kind of one another passages in, in the New Testament to tell you how to treat each other. But I, I just would emphasize for you, Jesus has raised the bar. You see, the standard for us is not just love others and treat them the way you want to be treated. But in John 13, Jesus raised the standard. He said, I want you to love each other the way that I've loved you and given myself for you. So there's our standard for loving each other. Thirdly, we, I would encourage as a congregation, love Pastor Heron. Another passage of Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Turn over there with me if you would. And we find what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy about the relationship between pastor and congregation, 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says in verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while he treads out the grain, and the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all, that, that the rest may also fear. number of things stand out there. First of all, he says, I want you to treat the elders, those that rule well, those that are faithful, faithful in the ministry of the word and, and following Jesus Christ. You, you treat them with double honor. You give them double honor. Well, what's the double honor? Well, the first honor is the matter of respect. And I would encourage you, respect Pastor Heron as the man that God has called here to this ministry for this time. You say, well, the congregation called him. Well, guess what? We believe in the priesthood of the believers. 
And God worked through the congregation, through the priesthood of the believers here to call this man to be your pastor for this time. And I encourage you to give him the respect and, the, and this passage of Scripture encourages you to give him the respect. He's going to be one who leads the congregation faithfully. I'm confident that he's going to do that. Give him the respect that God wants you to give him. And I also would encourage you, respect the office of pastor. You know, sometimes even when you don't agree with a pastor, respect, respect the office. We're called on that to do that with the office of president. Sometimes that's harder than others, Right? But there's something about the office, and the office of pastor is an important office in God's, in God's program. Respect the office. And the, the, the second aspect of honor is remuneration. That's what it's talking about in the context. Pay the man. <laughs> in Scripture, it talks about those who are, are preaching the gospel, that there's nothing wrong with them being rewarded by those that, are they, that, that they are leading financially, taking care of their family. We don't have time to do a, a whole study on that, but I would encourage you to do that. I thank you for caring for me and for my family over the years. I encourage you, keep it up. Be generous. Uh, if a man's worried about how he's going to feed his family and take care of his family, it distracts from the work of the ministry. I thank God we never had to have those worries. You've been a generous congregation. Keep it up. But that, that's exactly what he's talking about. It says the ox should not be muzzled when he's threshing the grain. Well, you're the ox, Pastor Mark. <laughs> uh, and, and Paul's analogy here, don't muzzle the man. Allow him to take care of his family properly as he would lead the congregation here. You find also you, you love him by protecting him from false accusations. Well, how do you do that? Well, one way is you don't even listen to a charge. Somebody comes and wants to whisper it in your ear about the pastor. You don't even listen. There's got to be at least two or three witnesses to something clearly done wrong before you even listen. I would encourage you, give Pastor Heron benefit of the doubt. Uh, he's earned some credibility over the 12 years, he's 17 years he's been around here in ministry. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Don't listen to the whispering. Don't accept charges against him unless there's two or three clear witnesses. Now, Paul also goes on to the other side of that coin. Uh, you also need to hold him accountable if he should sin. In case you haven't figured this out yet, there's no such thing as a perfect pastor. <laughs> My wife figured that out real fast <laughs> when we got married. Uh, and there are areas where we can fall short. And, and sometimes the loving thing for a brother to do can, can be to come and to hold us accountable. And, and that's what Paul talks about here. And sometimes, depending on what's going on, sometimes there even can be something that, that's done openly to teach the rest of the congregation. But I would encourage you, do, do some preventative work here, would you? Pray for Pastor Mark and his family that he would not fall, that he would not sin. Will you do that? Will you pray for him? Because he has a target on his back. He has an enemy. God can disrupt the ministry of this church big time if he can disrupt his life morally or, or, or with sin or disrupt his family in that way. 
So we need to pray for each other all the time. But I, I thank God for the people that prayed for me. People would tell me different times, I'm pray, I prayed for you. I pray for you all the time. My response is always thank God because I certainly need it. Because it's God that has to strengthen us and give us the ability that we have. So congregation, here it is. Love God. Love one another. Love your pastor. Would you, church family, with me, respond, I will, if you will, covenant that before God, each other, Pastor Mark, to be that congregation that has his back and will follow his godly leadership. If so, please answer, I will. Amen. Thank you. Every Bibles, turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Apostle Peter writes, The elders who are among you I exhort, I whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who are entrusted to you, but examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. And yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, I am not supposed to be doing this part of the service. Uh, Pastor Mark's father, Pastor Teddy Heron, was supposed to deliver the charge to the pastor, but they've had a death in the family that necessitates him and being in that terrible state down south of here, uh, Ohio, <laughs> for a, a funeral today. There's a lot of mourning going on in Ohio today. And uh, they have to be there for that, that funeral. And uh, I get the opportunity. I was asked if I would go ahead and do the charge to the, to the pastor, and I'm happy to do that. Mark, uh, I talk about, I think I just thought about referring to him as he's been like a son to me, but I don't like to think about being that old. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have kids in my, in, in, in their 40s, so, uh, so. In many ways, Mark's been like, but, but always more mature than that as, as a co-worker. I don't, I don't, does that make any sense? But I thank God at any rate for the opportunity to, to now direct our, our, our focus to you, Pastor Heron, and your responsibilities in shepherding the church. And the key responsibilities are laid out for us here in 1 Peter chapter 5. And first of all, the responsibility is be a shepherd for the Lord, caring for his flock, God's flock. This church is God's church, first and foremost, right? 
It makes that reference in this passage of Scripture, shepherd the flock of God. Um, be, don't, don't lord it over those who are entrusted to you by the Lord. It, it, it's God's flock. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Pastors are under shepherds. We serve under him. And, and may, may no pastor ever forget that it, it, it's God's flock. And we have a responsibility to the Lord. We are stewards. We are under shepherds. We are accountable to the Lord to give a, a, a report to him when our days are, are finished in serving him in that capacity. Uh, Jesus is the chief shepherd who suffered for us, and he's the one that will glorify us if we serve him faithfully. And just as the primary relationship of the, the church family is, is with the Lord, before their, their relationship with you as the pastor, so Pastor Heron your, your preeminent relationship and responsibility is with the Savior uh, because it, it's, his, it's his church. And you're part of his church. You're one of the sheep. And so you got to stay close to the shepherd. It's especially important that you stay close to the shepherd and walk closely with him. Jesus must be your, your first love. The church in Ephesus was rebuked because they had left their first love. They were still doing a lot of good things, but they left their first love for the Lord Jesus. And I believe well, probably the congregation left their first love because those pastoring that church in Ephesus had left their first love. And so I would encourage you, don't ever leave your first love. Keep that, that preeminent relationship where Christ always has the preeminence in, in your life and your walk with him. Secondly, be a shepherd to your people. Now, this, this isn't really contradicting what I just said, but caring for your flock. It, it's God's church, yes, but he's entrusted the church to you. They're, they're your people. They're your flock. They're, they're your sheep. Take that sense of personal responsibility to love these people and to lead these people. And uh, the... the Feed them with, with God's truth. Care for them as a, a faithful shepherd. Equip them for the work of the ministry. Lead them, but don't lord it over them. Be a, a servant leader. Be a want-to kind of pastor, not doing things. Be, well, I guess I have to do this. But rather, be a want-to kind of pastor. In fact, you know, people can read you. They'll, they know sometimes if you're with them because you feel like you have to be. And they know when, when you want to be. You know, kids especially can read that kind of thing, can't they? But I would, I would encourage you, and I'll pray for you, that God would keep you a, a want-to kind of a pastor as you take care of the flock and, and not be a, a have-to kind of. In fact, that, that really should be a goal for all of us as Christians when it comes to serving the Lord, right? That we should be want-to Christians. We want to serve the Lord. And well, I, gotta, I have to do this. I, I always hated to tr try to recruit people and, and have them feel like they had to take a position uh, of service in the church someplace. Now, wait a minute. Isn't it a privilege to serve the Lord? It really is. And if somebody feels, well, I have to do it because nobody else, there's something wrong with that. And, and when a pastor says, well, I have to do this because I'm the pastor, there's something wrong with that. We need to be want to kind of pastors, want to kind of people. And I believe God's going to keep you in that, in that frame of mind as you, 
as you strive to be an example to those that you pastor and, and be a want-to kind of pastor because you love the Lord and because you love, love your people. Yeah, they're God's people, but they're your people as well because they've been entrusted to your care, just like Amanda and, and Paige and, and uh, Luke and, and Joanna and Owen. They're your family. They're gods, but they've been entrusted to you. And that brings me to the next thing. Uh, be, be careful that you, whoops, there we go. Be a shepherd to a very special part of the flock. That's your wife and children. They are of utmost importance. If this church grows and has a tremendous impact in the community and the world, but your wife and children are neglected, then you've blown it. You know, no matter what you accomplish on the outside, if you're not, first of all, faithful in your home and in your family with your wife and your children, you've blown it. So I encourage you. Don't, and, and there's always that tension. You know, pull, pulls away from the home, but the pull's within the home. And it's a battle, and you really need God's help and wisdom and discernment and trying to determine what to do. But make sure wife and children aren't neglected. And we've worked together long enough. I know that they are a priority in your life. Don't, that, don't let that change now that you're the lead pastor. You're going to have additional responsibilities. But don't let your connection with your family suffer as a result of that. Uh, I thank God for the, the wonderful send-off that you folks gave to us several months ago. That was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. And uh, the, the Lord, I hope, was really glorified through that day, but our hearts were so touched, and it was an amazing thing, and I, I thank you for that. But I got to tell you, one of, one of the most wonderful things that came out of that day was a Facebook post made by our oldest daughter, Rachel. And some of you probably have seen it on Facebook. Uh, I still can't read it without crying. But bottom line is, and what she had to say, she just indicated she felt she was blessed to be part of the family with Leah and me and, and a pastor's, in a pastor's family. Boy, I thought, Lord, we didn't blow it. We didn't blow it there. We got kids that don't see us as hypocrites. That's a wonderful thing. May, may God help you, and, and we'll pray for you that he really will. Lastly, be a shepherd who's always characterized by humility. That's the next thing Peter introduces in this passage of Scripture. He speaks to younger folks following their elders and says they need to be humble, but then he turns and he speaks to all, including the, the elders, the pastors, be humble. Be characterized by humility. Don't ever let pride come into the picture. A God resists the proud and he, he, he exalts the humble. It's not about you. Leading this church is not about you. It, it, it's about those who've been entrusted to your care. It's about the, the one who has entrusted these dear people to your care. Be a servant leader. Follow the example of Jesus Christ. He came into this world. He washed the disciples' feet. He went to the cross at Calvary. He was a, a servant leader. He was Lord of all, but he was servant leader. Boy, if there's one requirement for a pastor, far more important than seminary education, 
is humility. And that's exactly what Peter's telling in this place right here. Be a servant leader, following the example of Jesus. Don't serve for temporal rewards in this life, but rather eternal reward from the Lord when he comes. Pastor Heron, my prayer for you is that when, when you complete your ministry of this life, that you will be able to echo the words of the Apostle Paul. Get up there. There's the humility. There. Read fast because I'm going to go fast. I'm rusty. I haven't done this for a while. Anyhow, the Apostle Paul, the end of his life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, ready to be beheaded. says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. My prayer for you, Pastor Mark, that you'll be able to say at some point, I have fought the, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I have kept the faith, and I've kept the responsibility that God's given to me as the pastor of First Baptist Church. And I even go beyond that. And I, and I pray that you will also be joined with a whole host of people that will also be able to say the same thing, that this whole congregation will be able to say, we've fought the good fight. we finished our course. We have kept the faith. To God be the glory. May Jesus Christ be praised. Book of Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the, work, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. In uh, the Bible times, a lot of times you'll see that uh, as they're sending off uh, individuals to do the work of the ministry, they will pray over them and place their hands on on them, and we would like to do that this morning uh, with Pastor Mark, and uh, in just kind of a symbolic nature. And so, what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite Pastor Mark to come and humble himself. He's going to kneel here on the floor before us, and I would like to invite our deacons as well, and uh, Jerry Langmaid, if you would please, uh, to join us uh, up here on the stage on the platform as we place our hands on Pastor Mark as our new lead pastor and dedicate him to the work that God has called. We're not going to send him off like it says here. We're going to keep him, but uh, to dedicate the work of the ministry that God has called him here to do and have asked uh, Brother Tim Hill to give that prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come on this very special day. We come to you, as Pastor Wiggin has said, this church is all about you. It's not about us. And so we pray for this man who you've called to lead this church. We pray for him. We pray for his family. We pray for the wisdom that he is going to need to lead this church. We would pray that you would keep the evil one from him. We understand that he has that mark on his back to try to bring him down and us as a congregation that we would support him we would honor him we would give him the respect that the office of pastor deserves and as his friends 
if we see something in his life, we would go to him and talk to him and keep him strong. And Lord, as, as a congregation, we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to serve alongside of him. You say that his responsibility is to equip the saints for the ministry. We as the saints are to do the ministry. So Lord, we thank you for him. We thank you for the ministry that he is going to have in this church and has had in this church. As we see the young people that have come up through his ministry, Lord, many are here. Some are serving. And so, Lord, we thank you for him. We pray for the wisdom and the strength to go forth so that he can lead this congregation to do your work and to be the light on the hill in this town. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Don't go nowhere. I'd invite your wife to come join you right over here. Now, typically at these things, this is a new guy and a new lady. And churches will have various forms of gifts that they give them. I've seen, in our case, it'd be like purple jackets with C's on them because welcome to Cairo, we're the Tigers. Born and raised, and we imported him from Maryland or New York at the time. He'd been here forever. That's, that's not going to fly. So, so we have some flowers. Those are not for Mark. These are for Amanda. Uh, we have some flowers for her. Now, for Pastor Mark, he's been here for, what, 17 years already, and he's in one capacity. He's the youth pastor, and then I kicked him out of that one. And uh, he's the associate pastor for about four years, and now he's moving from one chair to the next. But I noticed that the previous pastor took the chair. <laughs> Evidently, that was his. So I'm trying to figure out, well, what should we give this guy as, as a gift as he starts this new ministry here? And so it seemed like it made a lot of sense to give him what? A chair. And I'd show you that chair, but my clicker's not clicking. That's what we gave him. There you go, Pastor Mark. That's what we gave you, that, that white, whiteness. I had a really cool presentation, and it, it, it ain't going to happen. But anyway, uh, we have a, a chair that we have specifically purchased for Pastor Mark to go into his office. And uh, so we just hope that you will be comforted by that chair. Okay, so now we get some text. So our gift to Pastor Mark is a chair that goes behind a desk that goes in his office. And so that's what we have for him is this wonderful, nice chair uh, and there it goes. So you're going to have to go to your office to get to that chair. So anyway, thank you very much. We are excited to be a part of ministry with you and have you here in an official capacity. Love you guys. Now you guys can, can go have a seat. And I'll encourage the rest of you to stand with me, please, as we close our service with a song. All three of these songs are Pastor Mark favorites, just to let you know. faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never 
Would you please come and share a benediction and closing in prayer? Our benediction this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May God, God, would you help us that this local church would bring glory to your name for generations to come, throughout all generations until Jesus returns. May this place bring you glory. We pray it, we ask for it in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen and amen.